Hi, I'm Sarah Adams, and thank you for joining my podcast, Cosmic Conversations. Today, we have our guest, Thomas Sheridan, on here, and he is quite advanced in um, many different subjects in the esoteric and awakened community. So we're going to be speaking about a great many subjects on these things. Thank you, Thomas, for being on my podcast today. Can you give us a little intro about yourself? Hi, Sarah. It's delighted to be to be here. And it's good to see you again. Uh, yes, well, I mean, I was kind of born, woken up. I was born in Ireland, very kind of, you know, just something not right with me. I was from a very early age. I was I was reading books on magic and the esoteric and going to mm-hmm. bits and sites from like 11 on. And I always knew that there was, I was like born with this kind of thing that I knew there was more to reality than you know what we're presented with that there was a, a definitely you know there was more to our lives than just be survival and stuff and that that happened to me at a very early age and uh, i've just always been interested in cult the paranormal 40 and things anything to do with ancient history and mythology i've got a great passion for and that's been like a, a constant all my life 10 years ago after a very difficult time of working on wall street when I lived in New York, I wrote a book called Puzzling People, The Labyrinth of the Psychopath. And I just didn't expect it to go anywhere. And it was quite a successful, a successful book. And it gave me a career like outside, you know, in this kind of world. And um, I, and it's been, you know, a great blessing for me. And even in that, I even in that book, I spoke about the archetypes of good and evil. The what it, My thing was in terms of psychopathy and its uh, effect on humanity, things like psychiatry don't necessarily believe there's such a thing as an evil. It's, it's a chemical issue or something like that. Uh, I, I firmly do believe that it's good and evil and they both have to exist. You cannot have a, a universe where you don't have polar opposites in, in, in conflict, you know, or in paradox, not paradoxical, but antagonizing each other. And this is how evolution, all kinds of spiritual evolution, like, you know, the whole thing, a spiritual, if you haven't been, if you haven't had a miserable experience spiritually waking up, then you haven't woken up spiritually. It's the same kind of idea. We have, the, we, have to have, we have to tolerate the shadow in order to see the light. And that was something that hit me at a very early age. And I was, I was to, if I was to sum up all my work from the beginning, it's a belief that there's far more to this than the material reality and that the material reality is directly related to the the inter the interplay of shadow and light in all its forms the subconscious the conscious the world light energy the whole thing and that's that's always been my belief and it's, it's it has never changed really well what you're talking about is the dark night of the soul and that's what humanity is going through with this whole covid thing with the suppression of the um, you know, elite around the world, we're going through a massive dark night of the soul. And it's actually, I do believe that it's putting pressure upon humanity to help them grow, you know, because the diamonds created under pressure and they wouldn't really look into deeper things unless they have that pressure. So for me, it's actually a blessing. I've seen so many people wake up during COVID and realize what's happening with uh, vaccinations, with uh, enforcement that's being pressured and pushed upon them. So a lot, it's helped a lot of people to actually awaken. So I, you know, they have to see what's going on in the world for them to actually shift it and change it too. And yes, we're here to, you know, there is light and darkness, but we're here instead of being mastered by that darkness, we're here to master it. That's what I believe rather than to be its victim or to, 
to yep. let it sway us and toss us around and create chaos in our lives and in ourselves. So it's there to help us really, really grow. So that's, that's a very beautiful thing in the end, but I wanted to touch, touch upon Ireland because I always have this thing, you know, where each, uh, so I, cause I'm very spiritual as you know, and I have this thing that each, cause I speak to spirits and, um, for me, even the earth we live on, she's an ancient spirit. So is Saturn. So is Venus. These are ancient spirits. And each one of these planets, ancient spirits are connected to each one of our chakras. And I also believe that each part of the, this planet we live on is connected to a different part of our body. And it's funny. Cause I always think of Ireland as the land of the eye <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Do you have anything about that? Can you well, tell me a little bit about Ireland? Ireland is probably what's left of Atlantis. It's, yes. It's probably uh -huh. what's left. And that's would explain why we have the further west you go in Ireland, you're, the, the more ancient, very ancient ruins you have and the older they get, the ancient mm -hmm. monuments get actually older. As you and literally on, on the Atlantic, suggesting that the civilization came from out there. And Irish mythology is filled with the whole concept of the ancestors who live beyond the sea, the high Brazil, the two of the Dan and coming from their sunken city in the West. So Ireland is probably the remainder of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Now, Ireland's a funny country because there's a kind of a, if you want to talk dark and light, this is this country, is it? You know, the landscape is very beautiful, but also can be very dangerous. It used to be in the past, very foreboding. You know, the wet, the climate is not it is not extreme, but it can still, you know, it, it, you have to in the past before modern times, people really had to work to survive here. And if things went wrong, there were famines and stuff like that. J.A.R. Tolkien said that um, the land of Ireland could be actually very evil. Uh, it's only the people's spirituality and their fate that keeps it at keeps the evil under the ground so yeah it's like that regarding the eye well there's loads of things in ireland regarding that in mythology there was it was balor of the evil eye who was a mythological figure who had this oh. eye that could that, that could destroy any man it looked upon and he was killed by in a famous mythological battle uh, and his, he fell over and his eye burned a hole not too far from here in the ground and left a lake called Loch Nassul, which means the lake of the eye. So there's lots of that kind of thing. And uh, the thing with Ireland is that it's, yeah, it's, it's the remainder of Atlantis. There's, I've no doubt about that. In fact, next year, I'm planning to make a major documentary film on it. And uh, it's, 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 it's in the right place. It ticks all the right boxes. And it, um, and so are parts of Britain and Scotland, but we were the closest to where it was. It was probably out there where the Dogger Bank is in the, in the Atlantic. And uh, there was places like Doggerland off the coast of between England and Denmark. That was probably part of it too. But this is why we have this longing. And I, I've also spent time in Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka is definitely the remainder of Lemuria. So it's funny how I had these two kinds of countries have the same were the remains of two ancient civilizations and i've been to both of them and i've been very connected to both of them and so mm -hmm. uh, yes absolutely that's what it is at the same time too uh you know we're probably one of the oldest peoples on earth that still call themselves by their original name i mean you would have found six thousand years ago on this island people were calling themselves irish that's probably extremely rare anywhere in the world so we're probably the one along with the celt iberians and the Sardinians, we're probably the, the last, well, some of us 
uh, are probably the last of the uh, the original proto-Europeans that went way, way back before the Indo-Europeans came. And so, yeah, so it's a very ancient place, and it, but it's also a very modern place. It's a, it's, you know, it's a lot like, it's got that kind of thing like Japan, where it's got very, very modern and very, very ancient at the same time. But we're definitely, this, this lockdown and what's going on, I, I do worry for the soul here. There's something happening. Uh, I mean, it won't change me, but I can see people have been changed by it. And they're losing contact because of the lockdowns and everything. They're losing contact with the land itself, which is, you know, Ireland is a woman. It's the, name, the name Ireland comes from the goddess Eru, and she was a female goddess. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Era, Era, Era land, Era land, Ireland. That's where that comes from, the goddess Eru. So Ireland is a woman, and all our rivers are all named after women. That makes sense because you think of like the, 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 the flow of water and stuff and the, the concept of birth. And where the sky tends to be male and the, the sea is also male, but the land and the rivers and tend to be female. But it's um, the, the, there's a great movement here also to reawaken that as well. It, has always, it never really went away to see I'm, as a pagan myself. And uh, but it's 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 an, it's 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 a long, hard road. Like you said, religion has done an awful lot of damage on this island as it has in many countries, but it has here, you know, and um, it's, uh, it, it, that's, that, that, that's one of the reasons I, I, I gave my life to paganism was because I felt it was the middle path that would correct all the damage done by religion, organized religion that was brought here over the centuries. And so, yeah, so, but it, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting country. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an amazing culture and everything, the, the ancientness of it. And uh, you could spend, just where I live, there's 5,000 megaliths in one small county. Now multiply that by a country. That's how much ancient sites there are here. And every one of them has a special energy connected to them. And there's people like me and others who are trying to re-energize them and try to bring that back. So, yeah, you may say I, but it's also a vision, you know, like that kind of third eye kind of thing. Yes, I was thinking about that. (laughs) that. That kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's you know it's interesting you said that i've never heard it saying say that anything like that before but that's the that's the beauty of an ancient place it's like a blank canvas you pour your own story onto you know and that's a very healthy thing i've always said that's a very healthy thing so you know so it's 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 the divine feminine it's the goddess energy and, and clearly you know religion has tried to disconnect everybody from that and from the ancient ways of where the priests and priestesses would talk to the land, they would balance the energies of the land. Um, they would clear the energies of the land. And, you know, even what you just said of how they were, the, the, the people, the spirits of the people were to keep that, that dark energy away that by being portals of light to me, that's, you know, they were holding the higher frequencies so they could keep that, that, that those dense energies at bay. And I feel like those dense energies have come up and they're raring their ugly head everywhere across the world. And this is too, what's happening with COVID and all of these things. And it's for us to learn how to master that and push that back, you know, because I do believe that there are realms that were created just for darkness itself. And we have the ability to push those energies back into those realms so that they stop affecting our world in a negative manner. But I do believe that religion is a complete infiltration of all the ancient ways. It's completely distorted them. It's uh, made, it's, it's, it's 
called them evil. Um, it's made people paranoid over them. It's suppressed them. It's, it's destroyed a m- many, many of them. And religion has infiltrated every single country on this planet, sadly. And it's torn people away from the, their ancestors and all the sacred ways of their ancestors. And it's also full of, you know, whereas I do believe there's some parts of the Bible that there's some truth that seep through and maybe even in uh, Islam and in different religions. But I do believe the majority of it is what I call the false light or the fallen light um, system. And it's a complete, it leeches our soul energy from us. It completely destroys us and it completely destroys the planet because it's so energy energy is vampiric in nature. And I wanted to touch upon this subject today with you, because I know you, you talk about Lucifer a lot, and this is a very controversial name to even say, you know, but it's funny because in the awakened community, when you you're supposed to be, when you're, you, you claim you're awakened, you should probably drop all the views of religion, you know, talking about Lucifer and this and this, and just delete everything out, all those thought forms and come with an open mind. But I've seen that the awakened community has been infiltrated by people who bring these closed up paranoid um, views from religion. And now they're labeled everything as the Luciferian agenda, which this is completely distorted. It's not true. Um, Hey, I've been labeled as Luciferian. You probably have been labeled as that. I know many of us. Oh, I I label myself as a Luciferian. (laughs) But they label it, you know, they label us in a demeaning way as we're doing something negative by the information that we're putting out or bringing out there. And I really wanted just to speak about this because I really do feel that this needs to be clear that people need to understand what's happening here, that basically religion has distorted the views of everyone. And this, they, they need to, to leave when you come into awakened community, leave out the religious stuff, you know, and start to open your mind. So can you tell me a little bit about Lucifer and what you know about that subject? Well, this is fact, so this is not opinion. And I'm going to shock people by first saying the the most important one of all is Lucifer appears nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. And only shows up in the first edition of the King James Bible, which is a Presbyterian Bible from about 400 years ago. And the word Lucifer was a mistranslation of a Hebrew term that they got. And even modern, modern biblical scholars will tell you today that Lucifer is, is, does not appear in any ancient Hebrew text. Now, you can go check that yourself. It's not there. It's a mistake that was made by a translation by Presbyterian Scot- Scottish Bible Re- Reformationists who mistranslated a Hebrew word and thought it was Lucifer when it was something else. And that's the only reason he's, his name is mentioned in the Bible, because of a mistake that was made in the King James Bible. First one. Secondly is Lucifer is very, very real in a spiritual sense. There's mm-hmm. two kinds of Lucifers, right? And I'm going to go through both of them. And this is a very important thing. If you're going on a spiritual exploration path of mythology or anything like that, you have to know these things, right? The first Lucifer is a pagan god from ancient Rome, Lucifer. He's the brother of Diana and he's the, the, uh, the son of Aurora. And what he represents is the planet Venus, the morning yes. star, right? And he represents clarity, vision, and hope. It's like the star car in the tarot, 
when that appears up, that's the, that's the card of hope. The long night of the soul is, is ending when Lucifer, Venus, appears in the sky. So it's, it's, it, and it's, it's, he also brings a dazzling clarity. You know, the whole thing when you wake up, I mean, you had a rough night worried about something and you're thinking like this, right? And then you wake up in the morning, right? And then suddenly as the delight is coming up, you have a thing that makes you feel instantly better. And you were saying, what was I so worried about that for? That's a Luciferian moment. The morning stars risen in the sky and it has banished the darkness of the night. That's a Luciferian moment. Lucifer comes from, really means light bringer in Latin. Lucifer was called Phosphor. In the, he was originally a Greek god, and he was called Phosphor. And that's where the, the term phosphorescent, like a bright light comes from. He's phosphorescent. So Lucifer does not, at first, does not appear anywhere in any credible Bible, except one that was caused by a mistranslation. And secondly, he's originally a pagan god that represents the planet Venus. And that's his, his archetype in the sky, is the planet Venus, the morning star. But his energy force represents the blasting of darkness and with pure light that makes you see uh, in clarity where, where something like, say, something terrible has been done to you and you're unaware of it. And then suddenly you find out and you go, oh, and all the parts fit into place. And you're going, oh, my God, how, how was I such a fool? I didn't see this. That's the Luciferian moment in the, in the pagan sense. It, was, it exploded. The truth manifested pure and unfiltered before you. That's enlightenment. The, yeah, but it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's a enlightenment, but, but it can be good or bad. It's clarity. You're seeing with pure clarity. No lie. The pure and utter truth of the matter. It comes blasting mm -hmm. through. That's the first Lucifer, the pagan Lucifer. The mm -hmm. second Lucifer comes out of basically 19th century theosophy and things like that. Madame Blavatsky and Alex Bailey. And it's a very, and also, but that originally came from Freemasonry. And it's also a very interesting thing as well. That Lucifer, what, what those, what the non-pagan Luciferians believe in, and these would be like the Freemasonic Luciferians, and the, the, the Luciferians attached to the likes of, uh, Helena Blavatsky and Rudolf Steiner, what they believed was that the God of this planet, there was a God of the universe, God, right? And then there was a specific God for this planet. And that God was Lucifer. Lucifer was mm -hmm. the God of this planet. And it watched over us through the morning star. That was a, almost like the eye, again, the eye, the eye looking down on earth. But it was specifically the God of this earth. But he represents a very similar concepts to the pagan God, enlightenment, um, vision clarity of thought this moment my god that's what it really meant this is what's really going on eureka that kind of thing right now but they also incorporate that they dovetailed into that the christian element from like christian mysticism and when he said that like lucifer was the fallen angel he he saw that god in heaven was a tyrant and god told him to mind your own business and do what you're told and he and he led a war against god in heaven and this was a kind of a a kind of a, a, a an inversion of the Adam and Eve Genesis thing with a fruit of knowledge kind of thing. It was almost like, you know, the 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 Luciferian angel was like, you're a bully, and he is. The Old Testament is horrible when you think with God books of Leviticus, it's quite evil and everything, genocide and everything. Um the 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 God of the Old Testament does, the Demarouge as it was called by the by the Gnostics. And uh, he led a war against God in heaven and was was thrown out of heaven. So the fall the fall from grace. 
And they believe that that fall from grace happened about four and a half thousand years ago. And it's called the Annihilusius. And it was the moment when man became enlightened. They have a belief that human beings before four and a half thousand years ago were they, they offered what Carl Jung called free association. Individuals didn't really think. They were like, uh, they just existed like kind of animals or herd animals, that kind of thing. But the, the human being didn't have an intellect that was particularly strong. When the fall happened, human beings became enlightened. And that's when they started, according to the Freemasons and to the Theosophists, started building pyramids and great monuments and you know, Babylon and all this kind of stuff and learned agriculture. So that's, there's two, there's two Lucifers. One is a pagan God, pagan Roman God, or Greco-Roman God. And the other one is a kind of a 19th century Christian mysticism, esoteric thing. Neither one of them are evil and neither one of them appear in the Bible. That's true. You know, actually, um, and, and Lucifer isn't Satan. <laughs> you know, if you come here to the United States, I think every pastor claims lucifer and satan as being one and the devil too also so we have those three and it's it's the devil for me is different than satan which for me is a symbolic of saturn and people also misunderstand that and then lucifer is completely different also what's interesting is that venus is connected to of course the goddess of love aphrodite um herself and love is enlightenment it's a frequency of enlightenment but that's sort of, I, that, you know, and it's also the divine feminine energies, goddess energies, which religion wants to suppress. So I see why they would go to such an extent to actually use dark magic in a way to impose or project upon the real light, the true light of the divine, these theories and myths about something that's actually good and of the light and that's not bad. So what's your take on that? Yeah, it's, uh, well, you see, the thing is that, you know, I want to just get the Satan thing out of the way. All Satan means, it comes from a proto-Arabic term that means shatan. It's shatan. And that, what that means is the opposer or the adversary. And mm-hmm. someone who was satanic in the traditional sense meant somebody who didn't believe in yeah, Christianity, a, a Islam, or, or a Judaism. That's all it meant. It didn't, it, it, it didn't really become a being. And the devil in the, it just means of evil in French, and uh, yes, <laughs> that's yeah. more of a, that's more of a concept, too, because if you look in the tarot, the devil card represents things like addictions, hatred, mm-hmm. vengeance, all the kind of base sexual perversion, yes. uh, all the base kind of things of humanity, you know, uh, you know, the kind of like uh, primal fears and so on. Like, right. That. Non-illumination, the lo- non-illuminated yeah. acts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in terms of the, the, this thing of it being good, you know, when people think good or bad, uh, I mean, I'm going to, I don't mean to hurt people here and I don't mean to, to offend people's religion or try to change them. But as a pagan, the most evil religion to me is Christianity. I know that sounds shocking. I agree. Because yes. it, it, Christianity wiped out every single pagan in Europe within about 200 years a force converted them or killed them. Uh, you know, the Roman Empire did not become Christian because it was all lovey-dovey and anything. It became Christian because the Roman emperors realized that a singular religion was the way to go. And it was a religion that made people not afraid of debt would be very good for the army. So they incorporated it into Mitraism and so on and things like that. And that's what Christians, they, I mean, 
every country in Europe, the pagans were murdered, their temples desecrated, destroyed. Their pagan saints turned into Christian, you know, or the pagan goddesses like uh, Bridge here in Ireland became St. Bridget and the Christians. They stole so much from us. Easter is pagan, Christmas is pagan, Yule, and so many other things they called Christian. Even the crucifixion itself, there was no crucifixes ever in early Christianity. The symbol was a fish or an anchor or even a cockerel. For, for centuries, the symbol of Christianity was a cockerel, believe it or not. And uh, the cross was only adopted because Europeans had a very strong, pagans had a very strong identification with the crucifix, with the cross shape, the cross shape. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Christy, when I think of evil, I think of, uh, I think of the Crusades. I think of the Prussian Crusades where, you know, I think of what Charlemagne did to the Saxons. He, you know, where he, he beheaded 5,000 men after they surrendered because they wouldn't convert to Christianity. I think of all these things. And I'm sorry, I mean, I don't, uh, I know there's a lot of good in Christianity and there's a lot of decent Christian people out there. But what you said at the beginning of this interview is absolutely correct. You said these people get all upset when they heard the word Luciferian. They're carrying the baggage over from their Sunday school days. That's exactly what's going on. It's exactly. almost an. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's almost encoded in their DNA. I think when yeah. people keep believing and believing and believing, they're born in this sort of imprisonment of that energy field. And I see that in religion. And, you know, they've killed religion has specifically Christianity has killed millions around the world. It, it's, it's literally it's, 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 it's terrible. It's gruesome. It's, it's not something that's good or, or divine. It's the opposite to me. It's so easy to see. It's the opposite of goodness and everything that's divine. And it's completely, completely infiltrated as a disease, almost like as a sickness. And people are, you, you know, people are born in the Christian religion generations and I, the abuse, I mean, coming, coming from the work I've done, um, I can tell you, even working with thousands of clients around the world, I can tell you some of the most abused children are in religious families, specifically Christian families. And, you know, we're going to touch upon that subject too. Um, soon in this podcast is how a lot of the abuse, whether it's things like abuse of children, it's, it's, it's rampant in the Christian, uh, in the Christian uh, religion. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And I'm not going to be silent about it because, you know, it's really kind of a smoke and mirrors because, you know, with abuse going on, if you really research the people who are abusing children, they're actually religious. Yep. They're actually practicing religious people. And specifically, a lot of them are Christians, but they're abusing children. And there's the smoke and mirrors of, hey, it's the Luciferian or satanic agenda when actually it's, it's for me, it's almost a psyop of where it's like, oh, look over there. So you don't see right, right what's in front of you. And that's that Christianity. There's a lot of abuse going on in it um, towards children, towards women. Um, it's, it's quite sad what's going on. You know, I can't, I can't add any more to what you said. I, I, again, I'm not attacking Christians or Christianity. If people want to follow that stuff, that's your own business and good luck to you. And there are <laughs> things that are quite beautiful in Christian mysticism and stuff like that. 
But the thing is that they, there's no tolerance. Have you noticed that? Like in America, there's no tolerance. When I was lived there, I know Christians in America tend to be very intolerant. They, they think pagans are Satanists and they worship the devil and things like that. And they don't even want to hear about it or anything like that. They don't want to hear about the ancient gods of Greek and Rome. To them, gods were, you know, Marvel comics, Thor and things like that. But the thing is that, uh, I lost my train of sense. Yes, the the lack of tolerance, even it's still going on. I mean, when they talk about, you know, the Native Americans are wiped out by the Europeans, the Native Americans are wiped out by the Christians. I'm sorry, they were. Manifest destiny. It was a continuum of biblical prophecy in their minds, the people who did it. Andrew Jackson and the rest of them. There was a belief that there was a biblical destiny, that they were that they were continuing on from the tribes of Israel to conquer the new world. And you see that even in things like the Mormons, that they believe there's some kind of destiny in America from the Bible. Now, this thing is like even in India and Sri Lanka and Indonesia. Now, you go to an, a Hindu temple there, and most, especially in a city, like I was in, I was, you know, in like say a city like Jaffa, Jaffna in Sri Lanka, you go to the, the big Hindu temple there. And you're inside the Hindu temple. You're very, very welcome. You don't know you're a European. They don't care what religion you are. And you walk around and, and I was praying every, I, used to, I would pray to all the, to all the deities there, uh, I, you know, because Hinduism is very close to pag European paganism. So, you know, you, you go through that whole thing and you'd venerate Kali and, and Shiva and Vishnu and all this kind of thing. You come outside and outside the, the pagan, outside the Hindu temple would be in the forecourt, a little shrine with Jesus and the Virgin Mary and next to that Buddha. So the Hindus were very, very, uh, what's the word, tolerant of other religions. They didn't mind people. They don't mind people from other religions coming into their temple and worshipping their gods, not in the temple. On the temple grounds, they're more than welcome. And lots of Hindus would like venerate Jesus and Buddha as well as a kind of a supplement to their Hinduism. Now what's happening in India is literally, and in, and in Sri Lanka, Christians are taking over and they're doing things like they're, they're putting statues of Jesus in the temple. And this kind of removing the, the deities, the, the Hindu deities like Shiva and and, Arch, and uh, Vishnu and and uh, Kali and putting Jesus and the Virgin Mary instead in. And it's um, it's just wrong. They shouldn't be doing that. It's none of their business. But they have too many Christians have this mentality that all religion ended with them. There's nothing past that. It's over now. Christianity is the only religion left on earth and all the others are all evil or demonic or something like that and all have to be removed to make way for Christianity. It's incredibly intolerant and it's incredibly dark and, and it absolutely fits, fits the, the classic description of black magic. The classic mm -hmm. description of black magic is using your will to control the will of another. Yes, to impose your will upon, yeah. upon another. And, and that's, that's conversion. That's preaching. That's trying to, you know, that's, you know, the Jewish people don't do that to, to their credit. Islam, Islam does what jihad and Christianity does with crusade, with the crusade. But that's the, that's the definition of black magic, to force your will and your beliefs upon someone else. Let's go a bit deeper here with that. So for me, you know, with my, with my abilities, I tap into things and I've almost noticed it's, it's, it's almost physically evident, um, that they're tapping into some very dense, dark energies and it's definitely black magic. And it's, I feel it's tied to the underworld. And I've noticed a lot of people in religion, which is like a hive, they become energy vampires. Um, they start to look worn and tired and void of any soul it's quite interesting to, to to see 
And they, it's almost like they all have the same sort of thought forms. Is there anything you could tell me about that? Is it tied to, I'm, I know there's, there's a lot of things about the archons out there, um, demons different. So what, it, what are your views and feelings on this? Well, again, not, not attacking anyone's religious per se. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying what, uh, what's a fact here. If you look at the Jehovah Witnesses Bible, it makes it very clear that the God of the Jehovah Witnesses, the, the Jehovah God, and the God of the Bible are two different entities. And it starts out at the very beginning talking about God created the universe. It's the classic Genesis. And when it comes to the creation of man, it suddenly talks, it interjects this character called the Jehovah God. Who? What? What? Who? What? You know, where'd this guy come from? And suddenly that's what, who they worship for the rest of the Bible, the Jehovah God, not the God of the of the of the bible and you have groups like the gnostics and you have the cathars in france and the bogomils and all these other neoplatonist groups that believe that the god of the old testament was evil the gnostics called it the demarouche the cathars in france mm -hmm. picked that one up too and they believe that the god of the old testament was the real devil pretending to be god i think there's a lot of truth to that i think there's a, mm -hmm. the, i think a, a, i think that whatever the God, whatever you want to call him, the Tetragrammaton, Adonai, Yahweh, you know, Jehovah, we're going to call him, I believe, and so do some Orthodox Jewish sects kind of believe this, that the God is the devil. That's the real devil is the God of the Old Testament. And in, groups like the Cathars believe that Jesus Christ came along to save humanity from the, 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 the evil God of the Old Testament. And that's what his sacrifice was really about. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that it could be a lot of truth to this, because, or at least on a kind of a, a metaphorical or archetypal sense, we'll say that, that, the, the, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church exterminated every single last one of the Cathars, man, woman, and child, to nothing, uh, because they did not want, because, and, and that was their fundamental belief that the God of the Old Testament was, was a demon pretending to be God. And I think that's a big, huge issue within Christianity, is that they may be worshipping a demon. I know it sounds like a horrific thing to say. <laughs> to some, not to us, but I mean to other people out there. But, you know, this is, this was the, this was, you know, they've even, this is kind of like not even hidden in many ways. I mean, if you look at the books of Leviticus, it, the, the God, he tortures and punishes people. He gives them diseases if he doesn't like them. He genocides them if he doesn't want them in, their, in certain neighborhoods and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's, it's just a murderous, psychopathic tyrant. Well, there's, you know, there's incest, there's um, blood sacrifice, there's sacrifice of children and animals. So yeah, it's, it's for me, you know, it's easy to see that that's not something good or positive, but you know, I feel people enter religion because they, they're so overwhelmed too, with all the pain and they don't know how to heal. They don't know how to clear their energy fields. They don't know how to get their bodies healthier and they're completely broken down. So they're looking for a savior or something to save them when only they can make their lives better and save themselves. And I feel like religion picks up all those who really don't think for themselves. And also those who are broken down, whether it's physically, emotionally, or, you know, um, depressed, those are the people that, that feel like they need saving because they're completely overwhelmed. And that's what religion for me feeds upon. It preys upon those people. Yeah. So, um, yes. And you know, it's, 
as drastic as the truth sounds, people need to hear it because that's going to help them to, you know, they might get upset about it, but in the end, that's going to help them, you know, one day they'll think about it, hopefully. And that's going to help a lot of people out who are listening to these things. So I'm, I'm okay with getting that truth out there. And I do believe that they're from my experience with the Christian religion, I do believe that they're worshiping a demon and they're worshiping something that eats and en- the energy is actually feeding off the soul energy of those who are in that hive consciousness. The same yeah. goes for Islam, for Mormonism. Um, it, it's, it's, and it's all dark magic. It's, it's high dark magic that's being fed to the masses on this planet as something of God and as something that can save them when it's actually the polar opposite of that. And it's, it really is soul draining on all levels, but anyhow, <laughs> um, anyhow, it's funny. Cause you said the demiurge and then we go back in the archons, you know, they, they, um, were disembodied spirits that weren't allowed bodies. And of course they want bodies. So it's tied to all of that, that, you know, I feel like two people in, in religion get possessed. I've seen a great many possessions, um, in uh, religious people. Um, yeah, but this is, this is definitely a subject that I'm happy we're touching upon today. Oh, (laughs) um, you know, I just wanted to, so you said you think that uh, the Christian religion is one of the ultimate ones that is causing havoc and havoc and all of that. But what about Islam? Do you know, cause I was thinking about Islam and Lom and Crowley, you know, Crowley Lom, he went to Egypt and he contacted Lom. I was wondering if you have any information about that. Well, it's just basically Christianity and Islam are the same thing at the end of the day. They're both, you know, offshoots of Judaism and they, but a lot of Islam, it contains Christianity and the old Testament in it. Uh, Christ, uh, you know, again, like there's lots of nice stuff in Christianity. There's lots of nice stuff in Islam too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a growing movement here in Ireland, uh, people who would call themselves folk Catholics. They're Catholic, but they will not go to church because of the Pope and the sexual abuse and all that stuff. They will not, they do not, they, they, they don't recognize the Vatican, but they, they, they still like to, to celebrate the, the, the Catholic rites, and would it, but they don't go to church or mass or anything like that. They would be much more likely to pray in a field or go to an ancient site, uh, go to holy wells and stuff like that. I think that's extremely healthy. Uh, it's basically bringing Catholicism back to its pagan roots where it came from anyway. Islam, you know, it's the same thing again. I mean, Islam has a whole school of philosophy based on the jinn, this belief of these entities that, you know, that are like, you know, like the archons, like like the jinn. They, the jinn are a similar kind of thing. They're like, the, you know, demonic type entities are a different race altogether that, you know, can, Rosemary got, Ellen Guiley, God rest her soul, did some fantastic work on this before she, we lost her too soon. But she's written some amazing books on this subject of the jinn. Now, if your religion is so good, why do you have to spend so much of it fighting off entities? You know, it's like the, the firewall isn't good enough, really, when you think about it. And, you, you, you know, it's this kind. It, they can possess you so easily, like a, a, a demon can possess a Christian so easily or a jinn can possess a, an Islamic person so easily. Well, how strong is your religion then if it can't even deal with that? You know, so there's, you know, there could be a case be, to be made that these entities help create and furnish these religions so it would be easier to enter people. Because in every 
in we'll talk well, we can talk later on about fairy folklore in Ireland, which is actually very similar. Surpri- American people quite learned to surpri- surprise to find out that demons are considered evil in Irish folklore, uh, not demons, fa- left fairies are considered evil, and it's very similar to the jinn or the demons. And um, the, the, the same, they always seem to possess at the same time someone who's going through a, tr- a terrible emotional crisis, someone who has an addiction problems, someone who's lost a loved one. They're, they, because they're so distraught, they will go to religion to seek answers. But is it a case mm-hmm. that these entities have created this belief that you run to religion when they because they, they see it as an opportunity to harvest energy off you? These are these are very difficult but very real questions we need to ask. I honestly believe it. In my experience, um, you know, I'm able to clear entities out of people's fields. And like I said, it's religious people that hold some of the strongest entities in them. And I do believe that religions were created by these fallen disembodied spirits so that they could feed upon these, feed upon the masses. So, and look at the word religion. You know, I like codes, rely on gin. How interesting is that? I said that years ago, you know, I had this I had it just flash in my mind and then it, it switched to that. And I was like, Oh, how interesting is that? That literally that's in, in, in the word, but you know, what's interesting too, is the Catholic um, religion and, and the Vatican. And for me, it was, it has Cain in there and it's got, you know, all these words are interesting because, you know, when I look at a word, I, I have this, it will, sometimes the letters will move and then I'll see another word in it or a name in it. And it has Cain in there, the Vatican. And what's quite interesting is that I don't know, you know, I do symbolism. Of course, you've, I know, you know about symbolism, but there's, um, there's absolutely, um, um, what's it called? Uh, twilight. (laughs) There's a, there's a, uh, um, movie series called twilight. And it's the only reason I watched it was for some of the symbolism, but in there, it's funny because you have, they go to, if I remember right, it's like where the, um, Vatican is. And you see the people, you see all of the tourists visiting and they're vampires and they're actually feeding. They're some of the most ancient vampires and they're feeding off of all the people um, going into there. And I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, this is so symbolic. I wonder if like the, 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 the person who wrote this book series, they, 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 they literally made this look just exactly like the Vatican. And you see the tourists and you see all the thousands of people gathering and they're feeding off of them. And that's what I believe religion does, that it feeds off of the masses. And they're, it, the, the, the top people um, in religion, I believe, are doing dark occult magic. And they bring in these demonic entities then, that then feed on the masses. So they, they, they're the priests and priestesses for these dark entities. And they allow these, these beings to come into their body. They are, so these beings embody them They're They embody these beings. And then what they do is they are able to be more in the physical realm. And then they feed off of the energy of the masses that are in the, that is in religion, which is like almost like a spider's web. And that's just some of the things I've picked up, you know, in the, in the work that I do. And that's why I'm speaking out about these things, because I can actually see them on a spiritual level and how, how it's just, it's completely uh, um, soul draining and destructive to the entire planet because energy is what keeps our planet spinning. It's what keeps us healthy, happy. It's what keeps us waking up in the morning. And there are definitely beings that feed off of energy and we need to become more awakened to that fact. And they are using religion to do so. Look at, look at, um, 
what they do in religion to baby boys, circumcision. Mm. Imagine the shock, the psychic shock that has on a on an infant boy, and it's done to, in some part, some parts of the world, it's done to women as well, girls. Imagine the shock, the psychic shock that has. Look at, look at uh, the instant trauma. What does trauma do? It feeds entities. We've known that. Every every yes. every spiritual tradition will tell you that, and these entities feed on trauma. That's what they're after, and that's why they're. That's why there's uh, so much. You know, you look at the things within Catholicism, like the the stations of the cross, like Jesus being whipped, like that movie that Mel. Gibson made of the, the Passion of the Christ. It's a horrible film to watch. It's just it's like two hours of like S and M viciousness or something. And that's that, that. I believe that he was absolutely possessed. He even kind of admits it now when he was making that film. Something took. Yeah, him. I read about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, all kinds of weird stuff went on went on when that movie was being made. But um, baptism. You know, you take a ba- a, ma- a strange male takes a baby from its mother's grasp, right? And then waterboards the pagan soul out of it. And in some Christian churches, they literally throw a baby at speed into a freezing cold font of water. And the, the child comes out screaming. And that's trauma as well. And that's, I've even seen weird videos where the baby wouldn't cooperate and the father would, and the, the priest would hit the baby. Because the priest himself is a conduit for the entity that's harvesting the soul, not harvesting, but harvesting the pain and suffering of the child by immersing the kid in water. And uh, this is like, this is dark stuff and people need to get wise to this. And they're worried about a character in the Bible called Lucifer who doesn't even exist. When the real religion, when the real religion has murdered and butchered its way all across the planet for like, you know, 2000 years plus. You know, they've really got to get, get their, you know, get their priorities right here. You know, there's clear and present danger. And then there's, you know, there's, there's, there's esoteric danger. Clear and present danger is, yeah, absolutely. I've, I'm totally down with that. I totally believe that these entities are using these organized religions to harvest energy. And the primary method of, of, of harvesting is trauma, trauma. Well, and that's why they put us in trauma every day, whether it's a nine to five job, and whether it's keeping people, for, it's, you know, they're not helping out the elderly, the handicapped, they're not helping out the mothers on this, uh, in, in our, in our, our nations, they're not doing, basically the government system is, is creating more trauma upon the masses. Of course, the governments are deeply tied in those, the, our elite leaders are deeply tied into religion. And, and it's quite interesting how the whole web is kind of interspun together to suppress and make people go into a state of fight or flight and be in trauma every day. So then they're fed off of by these disembodied spirits. Now I do have a question for you because I've been very expressive in where I feel these disembodied spirits come from. What is your, what is your take on that? Do you have any, um, uh, any idea where they can't, they come from and how they have infiltrated our system um, I know through religion, but originally I think it, it, it kind of goes really far back. Cause of course I've done work with Gaia on this. I just, before I w- interviewed you here, I was talking to, um, my friend Arcturus raw, and he was telling me about how, you know, some of this stuff came through portals and stuff like that. What's your take on this? It's a huge thing. It's an enormous thing. And it actually, it, it covers so many things from, you know, fairy, fairy folklore in Celtic countries to alien abductions to the entities that, you know, Crowley 
uh, summoned and stuff like that. His wife, his, his wife Rose, summoned Lamb. It just is an Ed Jin and everything else. It's it's an, a massively complex and gigantic subject. However, there appears to be humans and another species in this on this material plane. They're in this. They're just outside us, right? They have different names in different parts of the world. And in, in, in Indonesia, they're called the Panagagalon. In the Celtic world, they're called the fairies or the she. In the Islamic world, the jinn. They're called the Watiko in the Native American thing. It just goes on and on. They've all got their own. Every single, this, you can go around with the Nagas in, in, in Hinduism. You can go around every culture on this earth and a fundamental belief apart from the fact that humans there's two fundamental beliefs you find everywhere that a a human has a soul that this is not it there's a, there's, there's yes. a spiritual dimension to us mm -hmm. and the other belief is that there are other forms of beings that we, we can't normally see them that they're just outside human perception and they don't like us and they don't not they do not like us and uh they're not all evil. Some are apathetic. Some are benevolent to humans. But on the whole, on, that seems to be a constant everywhere, that they seem to be involved in causing human beings to be afraid. And our fear and anxiety feeds them as an energy force. It's like that's how they harvest us. They're there, and we don't normally see them. You can bring them into manifestation, or you can actually go into there. You know, we talk about, like, people going into the fairy world and seeing the thing the fairy world and go there and see them but they're there and they're real and they're as real as the soul where they came from well that's an incredibly hard difficult and question question to answer where did the soul come from ultimately in many religions there's a belief that god created both for the purpose of the the dark side the, the interplay of light and shadow just like i said at the beginning Certainly, you know, the, the million eyes of God, like in Hinduism, the thousand gods of eyes of God, reobserving itself back at itself, you know, this kind of thing. And it's the universe is a grand experiment of all, every kind of polar opposite, including good and, and, and um, evil, in order to create a new evolutionary force that literally builds the universe. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> but I think that's, if I was to put pin, I, I I agree with the funny thing is it's one of those subjects where I agree with what everybody says about it. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, you're all right. <laughs> you're all right. No one's wrong about it. You're right. Mm -hmm. The people talk about archons. They're right. The people talk about Jim, they're right. The people talk about the, the, the fairies and stuff. Like, they're right. It's true. It's there. It's right. However, they're just having cultural different names to identify them. But yes, that is the fundamental Marxism that they are, they are hostile to humans. Uh, and what and they're very clever and they're always playing with us um i mean if you look at irish if you look at irish fairy abduction stories they're identical to the alien abduction stories this is why mm -hmm. lamb looks like a gray alien this is why awas looks like a gray alien this is why there's gray aliens faces drawn on walls and caves in the ancient world from thousands of years ago it's the same entity and they will tell you whatever you want to know. They whatever you want. If you want to believe, see, this is this sounds like they're clever. If you want to believe the fairies, they'll they'll play the fairy role for you. If you want to believe they're they're great aliens of coming to do experiments on you, they'll play that role for you. They're very very clever and devious in that kind of way, but they do exist, and they are uh, they're a universal maxim. They're everywhere, 
and their fundamental belief in every single culture. And will and they're there. And they and they have a vested interest in the last say hundred years through things like atheism in having us believe they don't exist. Because if we don't believe they don't exist, then that, that, that we don't put up protections against them. Oh, I agree with that. You know, I had some interesting experiences with uh, Lamb and Crowley. This was years ago. I was, uh, you know, I ran a small jewelry business and Crowley appeared to me and Crowley said that he wanted me to close some gates that he had opened because he said that his soul was in chaos and turmoil until these gates were closed. And these, and because he opened these gates and it was letting out some energies that were not good for the planet or for the people around that time, um, lamb appeared and I had probably four encounters, one recently, actually one a month ago. I had four encounters with Lamb, of which he is very psychic, by the way, and has pretty uh, intense powers, I'll tell you that. And because I go out of my body and I do a lot of stuff in the other realms of which I'm very uh, open about to the public, these experiences. And I remember I kind of psychically battled Lamb a couple of times. And then recently he appeared back I met this person who believed that they had some of the soul energy of Crowley in them. I didn't even know this, but I was walking around a Christmas party and Crowley was, he, he appeared right next to me. He said, I'm here. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, Oh, I'm in one of the bodies here. So then I told my friend, my friend was like, Oh, do you know that person over there? Which I didn't know. He apparently has said he has a, one of the soul shards of Crowley in him. So I went, I talked to this person and that's very same night I ran into lamb it was an intense psychic battle with him of which then I actually was able um, to overcome him and bind him in a sphere prison and then send him off. Um, I set him off with some of the guardians, my guardians, because I'm, I work with Anubis and of course, different beings and they surrounded the sphere. They led him to a cosmic river where he will stay at until he decides to be better. So he's binded. He, he can't get out of that sphere, but it was a really intense battle battle. And my body was when I got back to my body, actually, we had some dogs and that were, um, in the room that evening and the dogs were going crazy. They were barking, they were growling, they were just going insane. And I was able to overcome him. As soon as that happened, I had this interesting experience of where I was told, oh, he's disconnected basically from a lot. He was connected into a lot of the people in religion and feeding off of them. So uh, that's where I was like, oh, this is this is, this is deep. So by him being binded and so he can't do that anymore, these it's going to help these people on a spiritual level so that they awaken more because he was completely, when somebody don't, doesn't have life force, they're like a walking dead. So these entities keep feeding off of them. They're just walking zombies. So I had that experience recently and, and, you know, Crowley then came to me and he's like, I, I want to be redeemed for my acts. I, I was wondering if, what you know about, because see things happen to me and then I go and read about them after I don't read about them beforehand and then they happen. It's the opposite way. So I was wondering what you know about Crowley and the, the, the Loch Ness, because one of the, the, the things too, was when I was in England with Max, actually Crowley comes to me, he says, go close the portal at Loch Ness. 
And I was like, nope, this isn't happening right now. <laughs> I'm like, we've, I want to wait till I'm more advanced in my abilities. <laughs> like, I need some more exercise um, before I, with my abilities before I get there. That same day, me and Max were offered a vacation to Loch Ness some hours later. I was quite, that was quite interesting. What you said there about closing portals, the, I, I, I've been saying for a long time now, way back, that the Loch Ness Monster was created by Crowley. He, mm-hmm. he went there to Boleskine House to perform the Abomelon the Mage, a, a very arduous and very intense three-month-long ritual. And something happened and he had to leave. Not, nothing in the house. He was called away to do something else. And he left the, he left the ritual unfinished. And it was soon after he left the Leskin house that the appearances of the monster in the lake began to show up. And that's why, similar to UFO photographs, when people say, well, how come you never get a clear photograph of UFO? Or how come you never get a clear photograph of Loch Ness? It's because they're not actually they're not solid things the disturbance right energy mm-hmm. the disturbance the disturbance we, we we see them only as disturbances in the field okay and that's why when you, you can see the loch ness moving along the monster moving along the water from a distance when they zoom in on it you don't see nothing really it's because it's the it's the energy disturbing the field around it this is how demons usually manifest anyway disturbing the, the field around it that we see not the actual thing and that's why that's what he said. You never get a decent photograph. You never will because you're not. You can't photograph it with the, with the machines that you know you normally do it with. Now he left that portal open. That's interesting, and I believe that when they started re- renovating Boleskine House on the shores of Loch Ness, Nessie sightings went through the roof because the uh, the energy was um, was charged again. the The field was around there was charged again. In fact, N- Nessie sightings are more than ever. And um, now people say. People will say, what do you mean? There was a, didn't St. Columba banish the Loch Ness Monster from the lake in 750-something? No, that's not true. He actually, if you look at the, the annals, he banished it from the River Ness about 50 miles away. And it wasn't a monster. It was a snake. It was the same thing as St. Patrick. He was banishing the, the Druids. It was a metaphor for the Druids, the snakes. And that's, that was really well done there. No, there's no, there's no sightings of the Loch Ness Monster before Crowley did the Abomed and the Mage. So he created that and left, and it's still in there in the water to this day. The entity is still trapped here. So it's very interesting that you brought that up about closing portals, because that's exactly what's going on there. A portal wasn't closed. That's interesting, because whenever, to like I said, I see symbols and codes in things. When I looked at Loch Ness, it, it was like the lock to the bit, the, the lock to the abyss had been unlocked. Like that's one of the places he had opened a gateway to the abyss. Um, he, yes, he had undone the lock to the abyss. And, you know, if you go back to stories about the Titans, you know, or even um, you have HP Lovecraft of where there were things that were, you know, they were basically locked in other realms because they're dangerous for humanity. They're dangerous for our planet. And what's really, really wrong is that our governments who are delving into occult arts very deeply, by the way, um, and now there's a lot of files out there that have been um, declassified that prove this, they have opened these portals and gateways around this planet up, letting these 
ancient, you know, some of them are for me, from my experience, billions of years old, and they were locked in those realms so that they could be safe away from us and us safe away from them. And now that's seeping into our 3D world right now, into our, our physical planet, into our 3D lives. And um, do you think that some of these entities, even the one at Loch Ness, are tied to some of the work that HP Lovecraft did? And the, 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 <laughs> this is a good question. <laughs> and I'm, also, I'm, I'm, so Titans. Lo- I'm so loving this. You couldn't have asked, you couldn't have made me more happier right now. I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft, and I've made a film about his, uh, about his passive occultism called the Libra Providence. And I've been to Providence and I've been to the, ne- and I've been to the, the, the Necronomicon, you know, uh, the convention, and, and I've been. I've been, I'm something of a scholar into Lovecraft, but, you know, I wouldn't say massive, but enough to know there's something there. Uh, Lovecraft was a, a, a passive magician, but I think he, what, when he was a child, he used to have these dreams about these things called night guns. They were like uh, shadow people that used to torture him in his sleep. And from a very early age, he started to imagine this character called Alhal Red, who was a, a, a an Islamic mystic who found a book called the Necronomicon. And the Necronomicon had made its way through the world into modern day America. And that was where you summoned up all these entities. Now there's no way that that that, that could have been just out of, of Lovecraft's imagination. Mm-hmm. He said that most of his work and his stories came from dreams, the Oracle, right? So he said, and he, he claimed to be an atheist, but he wasn't, there's no way he could have developed that, that level of depth to all these fully formed entities in that way. He created in many ways a pantheon of American pagan gods in some level. Now, you can say, you know, this is we're going into the world of chaos magic now here, that the belief that anything can be made into a god, and that's absolutely true. Like you take like his most famous creation, Cthulhu. Well, Cthulhu there was a, is, is, is amazing because he represents the destruction of human consciousness through madness. Uh, but and artists are the ones who see, envision him first. And you look around the world today, and that's what you see, a destruction of human consciousness at the, at the very base level. Uh, and amazingly, in, I was supposed to go before the lockdown, I was supposed to go to Easter Island. And I wanted to get c- close to where Cthulhu was supposed to be. He's down there in a place called the Southern Pole of Inaccessibility. This is where Lovecraft said he was. And amazingly, about 10 years ago, the U.S. Navy recorded the sound of a gigantic animal under the sea there. So he's been brought into my, because of all the people interested in Lovecraft's books and writings and all that stuff, Cthulhu on some archetypal level through a form of passive chaos magic has been brought into manifestation. So this is how. So Thank you for saying this. Go ahead. So we can create gods and goddesses of our own and demons and, and entities of our own. You can do this. Anything, you know. I have a, an article on my website about pagan chaos paganism, where you could, where, where basically it's you know it's okay that pagans venerate the old gods, but they're no good. It may not be that the most much good in the modern world, and it's time to start looking at new gods and stuff like this, new entities, you know, quantum gods for a quantum age. And this is why I think paganism has stagnated, is because it hasn't embraced technology and changes in society enough. So yeah, Lovecraft. Lovecraft, and that's what's it fascinating there with the Al Zed, the Necronomicon. That's the jinn, Arabic world, Muslim, right? So therefore, we have a direct portal into that, a direct portal. And even Rose Ellen Rosemary Guile, Rosemary Ellen Guiley even uh, 
said, put that in our book, The Vengeful Chin. Uh, imagination is a form of magic. So, you know, and someone who has a, fer- a ferocious imagination like Lovecraft is creating basically grimoires, magic books, in the forms of short stories. And if you see my film, I'll give you the link so you can post it to your, to your, fo- your followers, Libra Providence. I show how uh, Lovecraft had a remarkable ability to understand things that he should not have known. And he says that they came from dreams. They came from dreams. So it was almost like these entities, and there's also a slight connection between Lovecraft and Crowley, believe it or not. When Crowley was finished in America, he spent some time out on a... Uh, at, out of in Montauk and out on Long Island, and it was that's just across Block Island Sound from where, at the same time, at the exact same time that Lovecraft wrote his first mythos story, Dagon. At the same time, it happened. They were, they were only about forty miles away from each other across the sea, and uh, so there's a, there's a there's a link there too. It's, I know it's tentative, but it's 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 an energetic link at least, a consciousness link at link, at least, and. Uh, Yes. So it's almost like these entities were, were, were wanting to be reimagined through Lovecraft's uh, liter- uh, literal creations. So what he may have had like this, and there's so many things like this, uh, like Azatoth is an actual demon. And he calls Azatoth the, 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 the king of the demons. The old, the, he called him the, the, the demon sultan in Middle Eastern again, at the center of all chaos. And, I ran into him. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So many that you can link to them to, you know, and so, I mean, I truly believe, I know it's going to sound amazing to people, that Cthulhu exists. He actually exists. He's down at the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. And that's why I wanted to get to Easter Island as one of the reasons I wanted to get there was because I wanted to feel that force of him in the, in the southern pole of inaccessibility. And yes, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft is a phenomenally important character in all this. Phenomenally important. So I've ran into Cthulhu too. So I've had some experiences. One, he was like, there was, he had tentacles like an octopus. And I remember like, I, I was telling my friend Alona about it. And then she, she referred me back to your work, by the way, <laughs> that you had done on Cthulhu. And I was like, that is the exact same thing that I, um, I experienced some interaction with. But what's quite interesting too is what you're saying, how they they picked up this sound, you know, under the ocean there. Um, I don't know if you know about Leviathan in the Bible. Um, apparently, uh, some years ago on Google Earth, they picked up an image from the ocean and it looked exactly like Leviathan. And it was, this is quite interesting. But then this also goes back, like I said, the Titans, the gods had binded the Titans in other realms. And I believe a lot of what's happening now is those portals are open. So they're coming through and yes, they do exist. This is the thing. And it's not necessarily for the, it's not necessarily good that those realms, that those portals portals are opened. And a lot of the work I do is about, you know, explaining to people, Hey, once you really step into your power and you understand, yes, you have imagination because look at the word imagination, you have magi and it magic. So when you imagine something and you intensely imagine it, you, you're, you the energy, you're the, the energy is the cosmic energy is condensing around you to then create what you're imagining. So, so imagination is the first step to being a magician. And um, so, you know, by using their, 
magic within them They're through their divine power. They can close these portals. And I, I really believe a lot of them are open here in the United States. You know, I, I know we have to go in a couple of minutes, but if you do your research in, um, Detroit, Michigan, there's a Stargate in Detroit, Michigan, and I believe they opened a portal there. And if you drive and it's funny, you know, a lot of roads in, uh, Detroit, Michigan are called Crowley. How odd is that? If you do your research and of course, like the movie Stargate, it's got the Stargate there. I believe they opened a large portal, whatever, whatever connected absorbed all the energy from Detroit. It was a flourishing city. It was supposed to be the, 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 one of the biggest cities in America. And now if you just drive for miles and miles, it looks like something absorbed all the energy out of there. And of course I was told to close a portal there of which back then I wasn't able to close. I've been successful in closing some portals. Others I'm like, okay, I think there's, this is for the future time. Um, so that considering that that's, that that's the work that I do, but, but it's quite interesting because of the fact that with these portals being open, they, and, and I want to get, you know, your feedback on this for me, they're affecting our thoughts. They're affecting our physical body because energies like that can just, they, they, they can destroy the, the, the organs. They can leach the energy that they, they're also affecting our states of consciousness. Um, so what's your take on that? If you go, people need to go back and look at old maps of Detroit and to see if there was some kind of ancient megalith or mound or something there. And a, lo a lot of these things. It's connected to Orion completely. The, it's got the same formation as Egypt in it. They, they created the heart plaza with the same formation as the Giza pyramid and Egypt and everything. It's, it's incredible. Well, they build Christian churches it's particularly in places like England, they build Christian churches on top of ancient pagan sites for exactly the same reason the pagans built those sites. Many of these sites are connected to under the ground, either a subterranean civilization or an entity that lives under the ground. So it's like a kind of a terrestrial type. And you will find that when you have a place that's been, that's where this has happened, there's been an opening of one of these ancient mounds or ancient, they're almost, I wouldn't call them prisons, but they're like a door to, to put the entity behind it. And they've escaped and you will find that and you'll find that. And you find that in countries where there's been wars all of a sudden now. I, 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 I shudder to think how many of those portals were opened here in Ireland. But you see in England, there's a lot of churches built on these sites and there's, you, the ancient folklore talks about it, an entity below them, this kind of thing. And so, you know, our pagan ancestors believed in three fundamental things. Reincarnation. And I believe this too, that magic can be used to change reality. This is why the Christians went after them because they used magic, not just the priests, but everybody. And, uh, and, and the belief that nature is sacred. There's a sacred, a sacredness to nature and there's more to nature than just animals and trees and landscape and rivers. There's also entities connected to, like I said at the beginning of the talk, got the goddess Ireland named Eru, that's entities connected to these, uh, these sites that are good and bad. And I will give you an example of a bad one, an experience that happened to me. It was quite terrifying. I cover it in my book, Sorcery. About five years ago, I was with Maria Wheatley in um, Sardinia. We were making a TV series on, on megaliths. 
in the Sardin, ancient Sardinian sites. And we were up at this one place that was way up in the mountains somewhere. Very difficult one to get to. It was a very difficult country to hike in. Uh, the, whole, the whole countryside is made of boulders about that size. And it's a very, and covered in moss. It's a difficult countryside to hike in. We finally found this place. I did my little bit for the TV cameras. And I, I went into the back and I found bits. I found the remains of a bull that had been recently sacrificed. Its horns were on the ground. Now the locals in Sardinia said that dark, they call them satanic, but they're really dark cults go up there to do this. Now, I, I was at the back of this thing and I just said, I'm just, oh, it's quite pleasant here, you know, in the middle of the, in the mountains in Sardinia, nice, surrounded by olive trees. It's kind of lovely and wild watching the lizards going by. And I just, just as you normally do, as we all do when we're in a nice place like that, we sit back and we have a, a little meditative moment. Well, Sarah, I can tell you what happened to me. It was like the gates of hell opened or something similar. I felt my life force draining out of the bottom of my shoe. Like someone had drilled a hole into the bottom of my foot and harvested my life force into the ground. And this is because that megalithic site was there to enclose and push and hold back a dark entity. And that's why sacrifices were still going on up there to appease it. And this thing nearly killed me. I had to, I had literally had to go back and I, I went to a store and I bought two large bags of sea salt. And this is like, if you ever have an entity attack, this is good for your, your yes. audience. Is to take a bath of the th as much sea salt as you can handle and of cold water, especially, and just pour it over yourself and over yourself until you've changed the, because what they're doing is they've changed the electrical nature of your nervous system. Mm -hmm. They've gone to your nervous system and how you re rebalance and re and all that wild electricity that's what making you having all these horrible feelings like your body is going to explode all that's coming from is your nervous system has gone they they ferociously harvested your nervous your nervous system and it took about two hours of that before it went but it was an absolutely terrifying experience and that's because that site was and of course they call all these things over there giants graves and there's a belief that were they actually giants like in giant men or were they titans which means a similar kind of word leviathan yes. but, but terrestrial ones giant entities under the ground that were, were kept in check and they would venerate they would have to keep they would the people in the town and village were safe as long as they brought up a cow every so often and sat or and sacrificed it to it and i believe i believe that i had a real life personal encounter with one of them Wow. So yes, so they can, and that's the information I have too, is they, they are affecting the, the thoughts and our bodies on this planet, these things, you know, so I have one last uh, thing I wanted to say before we finish off this podcast. And I quite thoroughly in, enjoy speaking to you. <laughs> um, so do you know, King James, I, I think if, and correct me if I'm wrong here, he also wrote, the book of demonology, he not only the... And he wrote the Malus Maleficarum, the Hammer of the Witches. He had a hatred of women. He had a hatred of women. It's, and it's he, like, yeah. how can you believe the word of God was also written, that this guy wanted to get the, quote, word of God to you, while he also wrote a book about demonology. This is demonology. It's almost, it's such a joke to me. <laughs> and another book how to destroy witches because he knew that the witches still had the pagan magic that was a threat to people like him in their harvesting on behalf of these demons and that's right why he so that goes back to hey he wrote this book of how to summon demons obviously 
So religion would be the great, a great tool to help these demons feed off of the masses. And, you know, it's really important nowadays to do your research and to look into things rather than just believe them and to really get informed on all levels. And that's how we can go ahead and free ourselves from these, um, false light systems that plague our earth and that are draining our soul energy and that are affecting the mass consciousness in a negative way. With that being said, any last words? Yeah, I mean, this is at a great time. Uh, I'd love to come back and talk some more with you. This yes. Is one of the best interviews I've done in a long time. And I, I'm very happy with what's turned out. Yes, I'm delighted you brought all the stuff up because it's very important people see it, hear it. Because people uh, on a spiritual path, the, great, the best advice I could give them is to every day wake up as if you don't know nothing and begin again. Don't bring in the baggage from your previous life. And the real stuff will stick and the the stuff you don't need will fall off. And that's how you do it. Wake up in the morning like you're 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 the fool card in the tarot and you're beginning a new and you will find after a while that the the stuff that's real for you will remain. And the stuff that you the baggage that you picked up from your past won't. And the good and also the good baggage from your the good stuff in your past will stay as well. It's not just all new. But I find that like, don't, don't, don't be a fundamentalist. Don't be a dogmatist, dogmatist, uh, be very open-minded, uh, be very tolerant of other people's beliefs. I said, like, I, I am very tolerant of Christian people and most Islamic people. I have nothing against them. They've never harmed me or anything like that. But I'm just like, even though I have problems with the religions and stuff like that, it's not about them. It's not about them. And there are things they are right about. So it's not like that. I'm not, I'm not. There's, you know, get rid of this black and white thinking, thinking that all is good and all is evil, because the reality is everything is made up of shades of gray in between. It's true. So where can um, our viewers find out more about you? Okay. Regarding these topics we spoke about today, I have a channel on YouTube called Beyond Room 313, and it's documentary films on the topics they're, they're produced are generally on the topics we're talked about here today. They're, they're highly well-produced. I'm currently making a film with a, a lad in America called Jason Robba. And this is going to be a major production on the life of Jack Parsons, the rocket scientist mm-hmm. and occultist. And that's going to be nothing like this has been done before in terms of alt media, we're, we're going to have a proper musical score produced to a very high cinematic level. It's costing a lot of money, but we really want to make this th- a definitive film in alt media. And on top of that, um, my, my website is Moss Upon Stones, www Moss Upon Stones. And there's like my spiritual writings. And then there's all connections in there to everything else. And I've also got a Wix site as well called Thomas Sheridan Arts. But uh, everything is linked into everything else. And uh, so, you know, there's lots of stuff. That I, put, I put out enormous amount of stuff out there over the over the last decade so i'm sure there'll be something i mean i don't expect everyone to agree with everything but my attitude to everything is have a listen give everyone a chance and see what see what floats your boat and that's i think that's the true spiritual path is mm-hmm. never to be locked into any one thing well thank you for being on my my podcast again and you know we'll be doing more podcasts in the future and hey Thank you. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, to Cosmic Conversations. And best of luck to you with the show. I think it's going to do very well. (laughs) Thank you.